happy, well, actually happy boredom at the moment. Crypto is absolutely a stable coin. It's been very, very much sideways. And we're going to be discussing all these topics today. We had brand new kind of coverage on Michael Burry, the guy from the big short, supposedly shorting the stock market for, I think, $1.6 billion. There's some nuance to that. So it's not $1.6 billion, but it makes for a good headline. But he's definitely short stocks. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss basically a major, major hopium that's going on right now, which obviously is the Bitcoin spot ETF. After a delay on Friday, we had a bit of some, well, cautious kind of tail from some of the experts who say probably uh, Bitcoin spot ETF is not going to get approved. So obviously there's some kind of fear hanging in the air on this. We're going to cover a little bit of the rest of the macro. I just want to cover a few points. We have Fed meetings coming out this week. We have a little bit of uh, retail earnings. So that's going to give us a bit of some kind of good sense on what's happening. And then I want to cover a special DeFi chain improve, improvement proposal that Yuzan and myself are going to put out. So I just want to explain that, how would this work? And uh, yeah, then we're going to throw a quick reminder about our dollar cost averaging campaign where we are going to raffle off brand new AirPods. So I don't know if you have seen those uh, funny videos that Ariel is making where she's stealing people's AirPods in the office to send them out. Don't worry, you're going to get brand new ones. So if you want to participate in that, then start your dollar cost averaging. We're going to talk about that as well. Yeah, so it's going to be an action-packed episode. With this, let's get going. Fabio, happy Tuesday. How are you doing? How's everything going? How's the community? Give us a bit of some overview sentiment. Yeah, I, I hope we can deliver on more action than we are currently seeing in the market. It is extremely boring. Uh, we briefly touched on that last week that um, in every Q3, there is this consolidation of price, at least historically this was the case. And we really see a, a consolidation in price. Like if you look at any indicators like the uh, the Bollinger Bands or the Fear and Grief uh, Index. Fear and yeah, grief that's a fake one that I put up grief. there. It's called the Bored and Greed Index. It's a fake Bored one, extreme boredom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's just, it's super boring. Bitcoin is really stablecoin right now. There are some conspiracy theories out there because every time the, the Bitcoin price goes into the direction of 29,000, there is an entity stepping in on Coinbase and buying up all these coins. Mm. Um, I know you have uh, an idea on who that might be. Uh, I saw, at least I saw you commentating underneath uh, Crypto Banter's uh, uh, tweets. Uh, but it's definitely so that there is some buying happening. There are. Yeah, I said that. I think that's uh, sailor. I mean, that's my my thought. Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that's too far fetched. Yeah, I, I also don't think so. And with we we are seeing a low in volatility and volume. And with low volume, you you can really push the price with like a single major entity, like for example, MicroStrategy or Sailor. Um, yeah, they can really step in and hold the price where it is. But uh, of course, uh, for everybody that has spent uh, a significant amount of time in this industry, uh, we all know that this is not going to be forever. Uh, usually, the price really compresses, and um, if there and, and the Bollinger Bands and all these indicators, they get really tight, and then eventually we have a big break breakout. So like last week, I I kind of made the argument or or put forward the point that I think the downside move is uh, that that move is probably going to be to the downside but of course there's always 50-50 chance a very wise man said uh, the market can go up but uh, can also go down <laughs> true that true that 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you, uh, with what uh, topic you, you do you want to start? Do you wanna, uh, let's start with, uh, I don't know. I think let's go with the most recent one, which I think came out a bit today, which was the entire Michael Burry thing here. I don't know uh, if, if you have looked into it a bit, read a bit. I don't know. Maybe paint some picture. Maybe also give a quick kind of background in, uh, yeah, who Michael Burry is. I don't know if you want to kind of paint that yeah. some color to that. Um, yeah, Michael Burry got uh, really famous in uh, 2008 with the subprime mortgage crisis and he was betting heavily against um, the housing market. Um, like back in 2008, he, he wasn't really that famous, but afterwards he, they made a movie about this, a really, really good movie. If you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend watching it. It's called The Big Short and it's an extremely entertaining movie uh, and it gives you really the, the nitty gritty juicy things uh, and you can learn actually a lot about uh, how the stock market works, what put options and call options and, uh, and, and, and all kinds of different terms. I think they have, don't they have Maggie Robbie, like Barbie explaining this during the movie or no? I, I'm yeah, not I sure if she's participating. Could, could be that she... Uh, oh no, that's that, John Oliver. That, I'm not sure, uh, but it could be that there's a part where she explains, but I, I, I can't remember. I'm also maybe I'm confusing something here, but it's a really good movie. And Michael Burry, he made a lot of money with betting against the housing market. Uh, they uh, during the time they thought he was a, just a crazy person actually considering doing that. But he I, I don't know, at least they portray him like he may be some sort of savant or some sort of uh, a little bit autistic in his uh, behavior. Um, he definitely looks like that in the movie. I don't know if it's uh, the case in the real world. Uh, but yeah, he made a lot of money with uh, shorting, um, with credit default swap. That's an instrument that, that he used. And he made a lot of money shorting the housing market. And he, he basically saw that coming because he looked at a lot of data. And uh, with that, he's, it's not that he's always right. Uh, he had many wrong calls between the 2008 financial crisis and today. I mean, there's this and, meme uh, that says uh, he predicted 50 of the last two recessions. <laughs> yeah. And so right now the question is, he, he's betting heavy that especially the, the S&P and the NASDAQ, which are the two biggest index, indexes out there, that they are kind of currently topping out. And the way he bet on that is uh, in the form of put options. And put options is basically if the price of a, the underlying asset decreases, the put options value increases. Like the specifics of that, I rather... Uh, not go into that. I, I'm, I'm not very technical in, in these things. I also don't use them. Maybe I should, but and um, the estimated amount is approximately 1.6 billion. There's one caveat to this, and this is um, Michael Burry owns a hedge fund. I think it's called Sinon Capital or something like that. Sinon Assets. Uh, I, I don't know the name. And they have quarterly reports. And of course, the last quarter finished at the end of June. And the, all these headlines that you see are talking about the positions that he had on 31 of June. We don't know if these positions are still open. We don't know um, uh, what happened in between, if he liquidated them or made, made a double down or whatever. We will know in, in approximately one and a half months uh, how, how, how the situation is, it looks like. Um, yeah, that's uh, all, all 
uh, I know maybe you have a, a bit to add uh, there, Julian. No, I think it's um, I uh, pretty much is it. Um, that the key thing is though, whenever we talk about the 1.6 billion, I just quickly want to explain that that this is not the actual purchase price. That is basically the insurance price, if you want to call this. Uh, if normally, if you buy options contracts, they are one for hundred. So that's normal. So and there's a massive leverage in there as well. So a mul massive multiplier. So the probability of him, like there's guesstimations that he put probably about a half a million or a million into this and not 1.6 billion. That's just the insurance in total that he kind of insures it for. So it looks way more like, not like a bet that the market is crashing. He uses it more like an insurance. So I, I just wanted to highlight that a bit because, yeah, a lot of people I felt kind of ran with that headline. And yeah, so that's just key to probably understand here a bit. Um, I put up this uh, picture here about earnings and I mean, tech valuations are as high as end of 2021 in comparison to their earnings. And obviously this is a, yeah, this is like a key indicator because at the end that's in stocks, what you pay for, right? You, you pay for current assets plus the future earnings. And so if you're kind of doing a 28 multiple here, that means you're paying for the next 28 years of earnings unless these earnings go up. So, I mean, this is quite optimistic. So, I, I mean, I don't think, I don't know how often we have talked here on the show as well, where we said maybe, you know, especially the tech companies, it may make sense to kind of, you know, pocket some of the gains and, I don't know, rotate them into crypto or something. And I think that could be a... Yeah, and, and a more interesting approach uh, to, to be fair and all this. So, yeah, just wanted to kind of highlight that. And I mean, I don't think it's too far-fetched also to think that we're going to go down a bit. There are a couple of things that show we may be running into a recession. And I want to be very clear, some are being used, and in my opinion, they're a bit misleading. So, for example, a lot of people obviously talk about that student loans have to start being get, uh, getting paid back. There's credit card loans that are going uh, that are have to getting paid back and then obviously we're seeing actual inflation coming down so uh, while this is obviously good for retail in in a sense or for the consumer because they pay less for businesses this also means that they are their profit growth goes down which means if their profit growth goes down a lot of their earnings multiples don't work anymore and so people are not willing to pay so much for an investment if this earning doesn't go up as much um, but these charts sometimes are a bit misleading. And for example, there's this one chart here. It got shared widely on Twitter where you see here on the blue line, the credit card debt and the credit card debt went up a lot and nothing surprising about this, especially over the last two or three years. So nothing surprising here. And then people say, but this is not a problem because in the same kind of time frame, also the total net worth of people went up dramatically. And so the reason why this is a very dangerous chart is always that comparison of, for example, Elon Musk walking into a bar with 100 people and suddenly on average, everyone in that bar is a billionaire. And the problem though is it's one person and not the other people. And it's the same thing here. So just because someone or a few people gained in net worth doesn't mean that these are the same people who also have the debt. So it's not one for one. So it could easily be that this is group A who are getting richer and this is group B who need to take on more debt. And so this is really, really important to understand in that chart. And I just want to highlight that. So I do belong in that camp that just thinks it's a bit dangerous. What's happening 
in the world at the moment. And I am not all too surprised that Burry has put options as an insurance going there. And maybe the last thing, Fabian, and I want to hear your thoughts a bit. Um, I do see a lot of obviously bashing against bonds, especially government bonds. For me, the point that the US government especially is not paying back their bonds, I think that probability is super tiny low. However, and this is the key to understand, you don't know how much those dollars are worth that you're getting back. If you can print the money, right? And that's obviously always the case for, for crypto. That's the case for hard assets. If you lend me $100 and I promise you to pay back $100, but I can print those dollars, you can be sure you're getting back $100 because I can print them. The question is just how much worth are these dollars, right? And so I just want to explain that when people talk about that bonds are defaulting in the US and the US having issues with the interest rates. I don't see this at all. This to me goes more into this direction where if you now betting on stocks dropping because there's a recession coming, consider that the US does have to service their debt and they're not going to default on their debt. So what they're going to do is they're going to print their way out in one way or another. They're going to debase their currency. They're going to devalue their currency. That's what all the countries do. Some countries do it faster, some do it slower. And at the end, that's always the case. For crypto. And so I just want to make this very clear because for some weird reason, people always have these very strong convictions right now for one scenario. But they forget that this scenario may not be as strong of a scenario and there may be a lot of counter scenarios. So if you're now thinking crypto uh, stocks will crash and you're betting on this, there is actually a scenario where it's not going to happen, right? And there's a scenario where bonds are going to do really well. And there's a scenario where bonds are not going to do well. And there's a scenario where crypto is going to do really well. I think it's a very likely scenario. But look, I would also very much not recommend going overly exposed into crypto because I can also foresee a scenario where we're going to see another one or two years of sideways movement. So I just think that's really important at the moment. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Fabio. So I'm, I'm mostly aligned, actually, and I would like to make an example because uh, for all the people that think um, the U.S. is going to default and bonds are, are not a great investment vehicle, I would actually say that probably a, the U, U.S. bonds are one of the most, are probably one of the most, if not the most safe investment vehicles out there. And uh, that, but with a caveat, and that's exactly what Julian said, because you can invest in something, you can get a 5% return. But if inflation is 8%, um, you are, you're, you're losing 3% a year. And, but it just here for the example is look at Japan. Um, and Japan, they are, they, went, they are years ahead with printing money, yield curve control, and, and, and basically sort of devaluing their currency and increasing their national debt dramatically. And if you just uh, look at the US and you kind of forecast the progress and that the debt is going to increase and even accelerate, it would give the US until 2050, until they're at the same stage as Japan is right now. And for everybody that says the US is not going to make it another 10 years or 15 years, I, I would beg to differ and I would really urge you to look into what Japan is doing. And one thing there, because a lot of people don't understand inflation, and I'm going to just make a basic argument here. Um, 
something like yield curve control or increasing bank reserves, like we saw with Silicon Valley, is not directly money printing because you, you need to see that the, the financial system is basically two separate chambers where water almost doesn't flow in between. And if they just buy bonds, sell bonds and print money to do that, so basically they're doing a form of yield curve control or they are increasing bank assets, that the, the money that is printed is going to stay largely at one point of this financial system. And you can really see that in Japan because Japan is they're way down that road and they're printing so much money. They're buying so much of their own, own bonds, but the inflation there is fairly under control. Uh, so Japan is actually a great example, but where the inflation really, uh, uh, where you can really see inflation is actually fiscal deficits and stimulus directly to the public. That's like the, the fastest input and the fastest thing that could can make inflation grow like crazy. So I, I, I agree. And, you know, from an investment vehicle or from a standpoint, just to share maybe some slight alpha, currently... Um, short-term treasuries, U.S. treasuries, are extremely interesting. Um, if you want to put your money for three months, six months, or one year into U.S. treasury, there is very little risk and actually a, a pretty good upside. Uh, you know, you can get up to 5% five, 5 and um, basically risk-free for the short term. So if you feel uncertain about the stock market, that might be something you want to look into. And maybe some other thing, I don't want to make any prediction, but... Um, I'm, I'm currently following the chart of TLT very, very closely. Like there are some, there, there are some interesting outcomes when trading bonds because you can, you can buy bonds in two different ways. You can buy a treasury that gives you a yield and you get your collateral back after the, it expires. So let's say a year, you get 5% plus the $100 that you invested, $105, down, done. But you can also buy uh, an ETF or a product like TLT and TLT is more like betting on uh, the the uh, changes in yield, um, and the, there are currently definitely interesting things out there. Even if the stock market doesn't go up and there might be a crisis on the horizon, there is always a make uh, a way to to make money. This is for me is the finishing part for the first business cycle. So I haven't been fully around uh, for the great financial crisis. I, I, I was very much aware and I invested shortly afterwards. And now the business cycle is kind of at the later point uh historically every six to seven years you see it have seen a recession now we're like 14 years in uh, so uh, at one point uh, there, there has to be one uh, eventually at least yep one thing i, I just want to add that uh just in case someone's listening in that really understands bonds because uh, I, I just want to correct one thing um bonds i i think you mean it the right way i just want to um kind of add that to it um if you buy actual bonds, you can also sell it on the secondary market. The market is just not as liquid be simply because it's not as unified. Obviously, if you buy DLD, that's the huge advantage that you can many times have a way more liquid market in between the runtime before maturity hits. And that is where Fabio mentions that you can really benefit from the yield curve. So I just want, I, I know you mean it this way. I just wanted to highlight that because obviously, in theory, you can also buy and sell maturities in between. And so, um, yeah, that's just important. To, uh, but uh, yeah, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, I, I think the key thing is, right, I, you don't have to be so extremist where some people on social media, they're like, oh, the dollar is going to die in the next year, right? You don't have to be so extremist. But at the same time, you also don't have to be so extremist in saying, oh, everything is fine. 
right? You can sit there and just be real about it and say, look, the dollar is devaluing. It's been devaluing over the last 100 years. It's going to keep devaluing. And it just makes a lot of sense to invest in hard assets. And I think that's a super straightforward idea. And whoever has done that made tons of money. And whoever is not doing this and is sitting on the dollar is, uh, I don't know, taking a massive risk. So yeah, I think that's, and, and I think Burry is doing this, yeah, as well there. Um, let's go to the major hopium topic right now, Bitcoin spot ETF. Um, do you want to paint some picture here? I pulled up a chart of all the spot ETFs that are filed right now. ARC is the one that filed the first. They originally filed in actually 2021, but they had to do like a lot of adjustments and, and actual like, yeah, um, changes to their entire filing. At the end, their federal register was made in the mid of May of the year for reference, everyone else. So also BlackRock, that's obviously the, the really exciting one was then filed with the big bunch two months later. So that's where a lot of the rumor is coming from that R could be the first one to be approved. There's a lot of counter story to that though, that thinks that all of these ETFs will get approved the same time simply because BlackRock is lobbying that. So who knows? Um, the key thing here is there was a deadline two days ago on Sunday. That's August 13th. Now on Sunday, there's no feedback. So this got pushed to the 11th of August, which was on Friday. And here the Bitcoin ETF was delayed. So now there's the next deadline here, which is November. That's for ARC. But in the meantime, and that's just important for those of you who are not familiar with the U.S. date system, so date, uh, months, and days the other way around. So this is not the 9th of February. This is the September the 2nd. So beginning of September, so in about two weeks, two and a half weeks, we're going to see an entire new kind of notice period here. Now, yeah, let's see a bit. I It's, it's going to be interesting. A lot of people are more speculating that we're going to see some notice here around the third deadline for most of the funds, which is the final deadline for ARC. So they're going to push this all the way to the final deadline for ARC, which is 10th of January in the new year. And that kind of really coincides with all the other uh, applications here. And this is a deadline. This is key. So this is just the end. So it could easily be that they kind of announce this on the, in the second week of January and that they do this for all the ETFs. Now, with that delay, so this delay was very much expected. With that delay, suddenly there was a lot of FUD coming up that this ETF may actually not get accepted at all, where just a week before, Galaxy and so on, a lot of people came out and said, hey, the probability of this is not if, it's when, and it's going to take about four to six months, which, again, would also fall into this January kind of timeline. Um, Fabio, what do you see there? What do you hear there? Do you think it is an if, or is it a is it just a when it's going to be accepted, or if it is accepted? And then are people a bit too impatient here? Because that's to me what it feels like. People are talking about four to six months, right? So we're talking actually about the new year more than right now, and it feels like people are really like, oh no, so August it got delayed. And what what do you see there right now? Yes. Uh, so the first thing was the conspiracy theory about arcs. Uh, approval because the, the, there were a few people that said, yeah, but there is this lawsuit between the SEC and Grayscale and they just don't want to give it to Grayscale. They don't want to convert it. So they need to give it to ARC. That was conspiracy theory. And of course, uh, this wasn't the case because uh, the ARC ETF got delayed. 
And then we had uh, a leaked document uh, uh, or a leaked comment from somebody at BlackRock that was talking about four to six months until ETF is approved. Um, of course, uh, there is so much impatience uh, in, in a crypto space currently, and a lot of people have too much opium or overestimate um, an approval of an ETF. Um, like personally, I think they are going to drag this out until probably March-ish, maybe January. Okay, so the absolute January final deadline also for BlackRock here, iShares, yeah. the final one, something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so of course there is a chance that we are going to see something in, in uh, September. But I'm a strong believer that um, the market can sniff out anything and they can keep everything under the rock and try to play it down and try to, to make this clo close doors. Uh, but this is just not how the, how the world works. It's something as big as this, the market is just going to sniff out. There will be somebody that tells somebody else or, or whatever uh, how, how these things work. This gets leaked somewhere. And there will be a front running or, or a bit of a, a sharp price increase ahead of time. Um, I'm 100% I'm certain about that. Uh, like I can, for example, like you have a, a, the, the biggest and most secretive company in the world, Apple, every single time their, their, product, uh, their products leak. And uh, I, I don't think the people working for, uh, for government institutions or for, for uh, hedge funds or whatever, they are more... Uh, bound to secrecy than, than Apple. I just can't believe that. Like they, they go out and drink with their bodies as well and have a, a private life, maybe tell their wife or what whatnot. But um, I'm sure that we will see an influx in price uh, uh, before that. And then everybody's wondering why nobody really has an answer. Lots of conspiracy theories. And uh, I don't know, two months or three months later, we see an approval of these ETFs. I definitely think there will be an approved ETF at some point. My estimation would be Q1 next year. Um, there was an SEC, former SEC guy, I don't remember his name, but he came out and he said the SEC is not going to approve anything. One has to say, though, he's super critical of crypto as a whole. Like, I, yeah, he's very, very critical. Yeah. Yeah. But also here, I my, if, my conspiracy theory, my personal opinion is that, of course, they're going to give it to BlackRock. Uh, because uh, it's just one big circle jerk. They all know each other. They all shake hands and, and they, they have dinner together and so on. And the BlackRock has an approval rate of 99 point something percent, but they're not going to make it obvious. Uh, I think that the theory that they're giving or allowing multiple ETFs at the same time has probably some validity to it because it would be a bit weird uh, if, you, if they are just allowing the BlackRock ETF and, and, and don't allow the others. Um, so I, my personal opinion is we're looking at Q1 next year and there's actually a few, a few things that seem to be lining up. Also, if you look, for example, at the, the CME um, forecast, when the interest rate might turn over. Oh, you are you came prepared. Um, we're and looking you know. at Q, Q2 <laughs> uh, next year as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's Q2. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, here... Yeah, I mean, that's the first time where it's like, if you look here, so Considered. these are the dates. So just to kind of uh, give everyone kind of thing. So this is meeting probabilities, right? So right now we are at this bandwidth, 525 to 550. So as long as this is the, what is this color? Like light blue and turquoise, I don't know. Um, when, uh, as long as this is the color, this is the highest probability. So with May next year, this is when the odds for the first time kind of drop down. So, yeah, but just want to be very clear here that these are still high probabilities and the uh, yellow shaded ones as well. But uh, yeah, market expecting 
Q2 for the first time a drop. And wouldn't it be like, okay, sometimes I, I lay in bed in the evening and I dream of, 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 of things. I just imagine uh, how, how the, the, the following year is going to play out. And wouldn't it be great if we would have lowering of interest rates, a halfening and an ETF, mm -hmm. everything hitting within like a few months? Oh my God, what that would mean for, uh, for everybody in this industry and in this space. Um, probably, I... Uh, a lot, of, a lot of Gary Gensler meme coins and uh, everything to the moon. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's the, the stuff my dreams are made out of. A hundred percent. I mean, the key part also, I just want to put in, I, while I do hope, uh, while I do not believe in the, in the cycles as much as some people do, I do hope that we're going to see a cycle. Just so that the, even though I don't think the cycle actually exists, because they got caused by other things, it would be so important for the narrative. And it would give us so much more time for crypto to get very strong market fit, product market fit, and be so strong in the adoption. So I would really hope, and I would really hope that that timeline kind of fits. And, and I mean, I want to give the flip side to that, right? And I think that flip side is so crucial right now. I think right now, all of crypto, you can look at all the blockchains. It doesn't matter if it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, if it's DeFi chain or whatever blockchain you look at. It's all right now in the sideways movement. Everyone is struggling. Everyone is looking to find something. And it's going to be tough, I think, for the market to really break out of this as long as we don't have this strong kind of pull. Now, I want to be very clear on DeFi chain. I'm a bit more optimistic to break out of it. It will still be difficult if Bitcoin is not really breaking out, but I am more optimistic with, with the MetaChain layer going live. I just think that Ethereum is going to have a hard time, even though you know I'm a very much of an Ethereum bull. I still think it's one of the strongest chains there are. I just don't see that there's going to be this possibility right now to really break out unless there's something happening. And I don't know, Fabio, how you see this. I just don't see... I mean, I don't see much reason to be bullish. I don't see much reason to be bearish. I just see reason to dollar cost average right now. But I don't know if I'm missing stuff. These things about the US maybe selling their Bitcoins, Mount Gox selling, blah, 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 blah. At the same time, you have sailor buying, you have, I don't know, you always, there's always this counter, right? You have the, the hopium of a spot ETF. So I don't know, that's just where I am, but I don't know how you see this. So the main issue with that I experience myself and that usually a lot of humans really struggle uh, with that is, is just time horizon. We get to we get sucked in into short term stuff. We follow the news and we really not really live in the moment, but we, we just see a week, a month, a quarter ahead. And I have no clue where the price is going uh, until the end of the year or in the beginning of the year. But if you ask me where the price is going to be at the end of next year, end of 2024 or in 2025, I know that uh, bullish times are ahead uh, because we have so many things lined up. Um, uh, as, as we just mentioned, uh, the interest rates are not going to stay high forever. They never did. Uh, it's not going to be uh, the case this time. Liquidity will come back into the system. The halfening is going to come. TikTok next block. Um, the ETF eventually will be approved. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not this year, but I, I think next year. And if you just consider these things and if you increase the time horizon to more than a year and to more, of course, everybody in crypto wants to get rich next week and wants yeah. to have 100x. 
But usually, I saw a good tweet today. You know, everybody wants to, to increase their net worth. Everybody wants to become rich. Uh, everybody wants to have a certain amount of Ether, a certain amount of Bitcoin. Um, but nobody is willing to stack and to DCA in the bear markets because it looks so devastating. It feels empty. It's, 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 it's boring. But the boring things in life are usually the things that really get you the results. And one of the things in crypto that's actually working and backtested, you know, you can really go and backtest these things. It's just buy and hold DCA and, um, you know, go, go, go from there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the next six months. And I, you know, I'm guilty as charged. I follow the, the current events way too much. And I kind of need to remind myself a lot to, to increase my time horizons and look beyond uh, the two or three years. Um, yeah. A million percent. Yeah, million percent. I mean, we have FOMC meeting this week as well. Do you think we're going to see, we're going to hear anything that's going to change that graph that I had just pulled up here? Do you think there's any kind of, I don't know, do you think it's going to be any kind of change or do you think it's just going to be exactly what everyone's kind of expecting? September is going to be a nothing burger and then the Fed's going to leave it very open. The, the wording is going to be, we're going to be very data focused. We're going to look at what the data does. Obviously, if we look at the November number, we have September and October by that time. Uh, sorry, we have uh, August, um, September by that time. And a lot of the companies start reporting earnings in October. So the Fed's going to have a lot of additional data. And it may already uh, either, it may already either stop. Some are speculating may already drop. But do you see this or do you think there, there's going to be a surprise when the data is coming out, to, uh, when the FOMC minutes are coming out tomorrow? He's going to be rock solid. There's not going to be any surprise. He's going to feel himself confirmed in every data that came out so far. He thinks, okay, the, the, the job data is tending, not really, it's just slightly going into the direction he wants it to go. Tech earnings are slightly going into the direction they want it to go. He's going to bring up inflation, which picked up slightly again. And he's going to say, we need to hold for longer. Like if there is going to be a change, I don't think we there we are in for a surprise, but if there is going to be a change, I think it is going to be to maybe hiking in November or something. That's the, uh, like, I, I agree with what the CME uh, cheat sheet said that probably they're going to hold rates where they are. At least uh, he's going to make the impression or the speech uh, that they're going to. And also for the September meeting, I think the probabilities are by far, like, I don't know, 90% that they're going to hold. But if there's going to be a surprise, it's probably, I don't know, a negative surprise that they, 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 they want to hold or they might even want to increase because inflation is slightly picking up again. That's just, yeah. Yeah, fair. Um. Do you have any other on the economical side things? I want to discuss the special DFIP that I proposed um, because normally we don't talk like DeFi chain much here, but I think in this case there is an impact and um, also because uh, it, it comes from our side as well. So I want to uh, talk, talk about this, but is there any other thing from an economic side um, before we go very big specific? Uh, no, for I think it's we're good to go for. Uh, I also I really want to have that deep dive as well because just one or two minutes before I joined this call with Julian, this was my first question I asked uh, to him because I wasn't one hundred percent sure if I understand it correctly, and I'm sure that a lot of you uh, within the community also have a bit of questions. So I, I I'm actually super excited of you running us through uh, the proposal. 
Yeah, so you can also just go on Twitter, or I also posted it on Reddit. If you go to the DeFi chain uh, subreddit, uh, which is uh, r slash DeFi blockchain, but you can also just go to my Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Julian Hosp, and then you will definitely just scroll up a bit, and you will definitely find it relatively soon. So the general idea behind it is actually two things. And there was also sent out an email, so let me just quickly backpedal a bit. Um, the, there was just also sent out an email that we are that we have to charge a deposit fee for the wrapped tokens on DeFi chain. So that is DBTC, DEs, the Litecoin, the Bitcoin Cash, and so on. But it does not affect the native coins. So if you deposit Bitcoin, you deposit Ethereum. Also, if you deposit DFI or you deposit the D token, so D Tesla, and so on, these things are not impacted. It's really those that we wrap. Those we need to charge a fee of 0.25% on. And the reason for that is just that it's super, super expensive to actually wrap that to all the compliance, to all the checking. It, it just gets very, very, very dense on what crypto companies have to do. And we haven't charged a single thing on this. It just gets uber expensive. And so that's why we have to charge on the deposits from the DeFi chain side of those wrapped tokens. I want to be very clear. And that's why we're doing it this way. There were a lot of other ideas. We thought about doing it on the withdrawing and so on. But the key thing is 99% of all coins, and it's not about users, it's 99% of all coins that get deposited from the DeFi chain side that are rep tokens are actually complete arbitrage traders, right? So these are arbitrage traders that do 99% of all the fund flows there. And so... That's where, at the end, we want to charge additional money. You, as a regular user, most of the time, you don't even feel this or you don't even see this. And we see that because there's very little fund flow in this sense. Also, if you don't want to pay that 0.25%, you can still use DFI. You can use DFI everywhere. It flows around. You can tra trade with that. You can send that directly to all the exchanges and so on. So very, very straightforward. So that is the first thing. The second thing, there was a lot of questions on why are we not adding all the other staking coins as a wrapped system onto DeFi chain. And th the reason is not because we don't want to. We would love to, but you know what the cost of this is. The cost is really, really dramatic. And I know sometimes people don't believe this, but the compliance cost and all this cost is just really getting out of hands. And it's absolutely nuts. And the returns are not really there. And so we just think there's a lot, a lot of effort we have to do. And it's just really a lot of impact. So that is the first thing that I just want to mention. It has nothing to do with the special DFIP. But there is a second thing to that. And that is we thought about how can we drive this even further? How can we make it interesting to add as many coins as possible and help the DeFi chain ecosystem to get a positive price pressure for DFI. The way we thought about this is we have this collateral anyways. This collateral is on the backing addresses. So at the moment, this is Bitcoin, Ethereum, stable coins, and all the coins that are wrapped. We take this collateral and we get yield on this. We take that yield and buy DFI from it and burn this DFI. At the moment, this yield would be around a million US dollars a year. So we pump this into DFI, burn DFI from it. Hopefully, this increases the DFI price. Hopefully, this creates positive momentum. Hopefully, it adds collateral. Hopefully, this is actually going to make the burn even stronger over time. Now, in this, if you look at the special DFIP, 
you actually see, and this is just the Reddit post, so this is not the final DFIP, and this is more for discussion and so on, and there were already a couple of changes. Um, the first thing is that obviously the key thing is we want to wrap more and more coins. Um, we actually don't need permission from the DeFi chain system to wrap coins. Anyone can do this, but we need actually the permission to add them to the DEX. We need the, the, this is a, a DeFi, we need this, uh, otherwise we can't do it. So that is the first thing. And the second thing is that we want to stake 90% of the collateral and get returns on that. We use those returns to buy DFI. Here, the original idea was to use 50% to buy back and 50% as additional rewards. But after thorough calculations, there was a lot of people who gave in these calculations. We also did internal calculations. It just makes zero sense to do this. It makes most sense to use 100% and buy everything back and then burn it. So the other change is here, we're also talking about stable coins. We're talking about BTC. This is going to get dropped in the special DFIP because there, these things are not solved and we don't want to have a wiggle waggle uh, DFIP that's going to give us way too much flexibility in how this collateral is used. And this is, and I want to be very clear on this, this has nothing to do with that I'm trying to be a, a good person here and a white knight. Absolutely not. This is, I mean, I try to do this, but we want to be very concrete uh, for to, to not have human decision making here. So we don't want to go here and just leave this very vague and then having to make human decision-making. Where on the staking, it's very crystal clear. The risks are crystal clear. The, the upside is crystal clear. This is very clear. Here, we don't have any of that. So in our special DFIP, we're actually going to drop all the coins that don't have staking right now. And we, if we find other ways how this can be done with basically zero risk or with the same kind of risk that staking has. And I mean, I want to be very clear, staking has a super, super tiny risk, which is called slashing. It's just tiny, but I want to address that here. And that collateral has that same slashing risk. It's going to be in the same pool as all the cake or the, the big customers in that. And what we're going to do is the DeFi Chain Foundation, who basically is in charge of those funds, are going to get an account on Bake. We're going to produce weekly, or not weekly, I think that's too much, but I think we're going to produce monthly statements. We're going to publish those. Everyone can download them, see it completely transparently as you would always see the, the statements. You can see the fund flows. Every week we make a withdrawal of the rewards. We put them into, the, into a burn bot and that burn bot burns everything. Once we have something like this for USDT or USDC that we consider as risk-free, we're going to make this pitch to the community and the community can decide, yes, let's put the collateral into this. It's exactly the same thing what MakerDAO did. If you look into this, MakerDAO did exactly the same thing. And I would love to go the exact same route there. It's going to help the DeFi chain ecosystem and it's going to help everyone that invests in DFI. The reason we address it here is because obviously it's a DFIP that I and Yuzin are putting up here. And why is it a special one? I mean, I call it an emergency one. I was then told, you see, that's how sometimes I don't even uh, remember a lot of these things that we don't have emergency DFIPs anymore. We have special DFIPs. I get it. So in the past, this was called emergency. Now it's a special. The reason we're doing a special is because I think, first of all, I'm okay in paying the 5,000 DFI for that. I, and I want to get this done as fast as possible. So that's more of the thing. I think it's going to be a Super, super net positive. What is the potential downside to this? Well, uh, you kind of you're gonna have to live with the staking risk, and that's just the risk that's there. But I think that is quite doable in the bigger scheme of things here. So yeah, if I have the choice of 
I don't know, seeing what the DFI price is doing right now or having a million dollars getting pumped into this, I would have the million dollars getting pumped into this. So yeah, that's just uh, the, the kind of thing here. Um, does this, is this clear, Fabio? Do you think there's anything that we need to add on this? Um, yeah. Um, no, it, it was very clear. Like I have a, a much better picture now understanding this. I think the only thing that I, was also my question in the beginning of the call, uh, the only thing that you, I, I think you didn't mention, but uh, all of these funds are idle funds. At uh, the moment, not... they are completely idle. You can go to DeFi scan. And you can go on the top and you can look at the backing addresses. They're all sitting there. So what we're going to do on those uh, where we can separate everything out, we're going to make separate notes and we're going to show this all as separate notes and use those as the collateral. Where this is not possible, we're going to have to use some virtual with some pointing. But on some of the coins, it's just not possible to split it out as, for example, on Ethereum. On Ethereum, it's very easy to split it out. On some of the other systems, it's just not possible to split it out as easy. Yeah, and but on Ethereum, also, we're uh, going to split out the, the notes itself. The added utility, of course, for, for users is uh, they can trade uh, a lot of new assets on the DEX. And I think... Uh, it, yeah, it, I don't I don't know if I see this always as utility. I know some people do. I saw QG's post as well where he treated this as utility. It could be utility, definitely. but I, I definitely think there's going to hopefully some additional demand. So I, I hope, I, yeah, this is going to... yeah. And we, it, it, it is a really nice selections of tokens. Uh, as you, uh, if you are a cake customer, we promised in the beginning of the year that we would add uh, a hand to a handful or two handful of, of tokens. We're still uh, yeah. added, uh, and we added a few interesting ecosystems to the mix, and there are a few more to come. So yeah, um, it's definitely exciting for 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 everybody. Yeah, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. And I mean, I think the support so far has been very strong. Uh, I'm, I'm not doing this so that I can get additional support. I'm doing this more on getting more of an explainer. I think it's, I think the downside is is very fair for the huge upside. Yeah. Um, other than that, Fabio, um, what do we have? We have obviously the ongoing dollar cost averaging promotion. If you're not part of this yet, then participate. Go to bake.io, or if you're watching the YouTube, just scan the QR code. You even have a chance to win great prices all the way up to a Tesla. So it's really, really cool. The, yeah, there was a huge discussion on this. What's uh, if those dollar cost averaging is actually gonna buy DFI on the DEX or not? And I think there was some conflicting information. So the answer on this is yes, it's gonna be bought on the DEX. And some of you have even noticed where and how and so on. One thing I want to be very clear on this is we're not buying it one for one all the time simply because we don't want to be front run. Uh, and we have seen this already where someone made a larger purchase and thought this person could front run on the decks the whole thing and uh, just figured out that it's not front runnable. So we do not one for one. So as soon as you buy, we one for one buy it all the time. We can manage this with the treasury. So we do take a certain amount of time risk there. But some of you have noticed the contract and so on. So we are buying this on the decks. They should be supporting the price as well. And yeah, I, we hope this is uh, a positive thing also for the DeFi chain community. And for us, obviously getting additional TVL onto our platform and or uh, custom assets, if you want to call this, and have uh, additional rewards over the longer term. Yeah, so participate in that. I, a lot of people have been asking on when our other funds are going to be asked, uh, added other coins. So 
we're working with the team on this is a bit harder to do because we need to have the on-ramps, off-ramps for that. So the team has to work on that so that we actually have that. We are targeting soon uh, trademarks <laughs> to have this uh, fast out as well. And uh, then you're going to be able to buy other coins as well. So that's going to be a, a key focus. And you're also going to be able to buy bundles. So you're going to be able to buy... I don't know, all the staking coins, you're going to be able to buy the blue chips, if you want to call this, right? So you're going to be able to, to bundle this around. And then depending on how you bundle it, we're also going to be able to give you uh, zero fees, for example, like we do with DFI, or we because simply we can make it back via the staking. For other coins, we can do this as well. If you then go, for example, and just and say, oh, I just want a DCA Bitcoin, we cannot do that because on Bitcoin right now, that's just it's very difficult at this very moment to, to generate yield for us. So there we have to just charge you the, the commissions, but we are, I think, very, very competitive, even for a credit card. And yes, we're also working to have bank transfers. So these are all things we're working on. We're also working on an off-ramp. So yeah, we're going to be adding a lot of different uh, assets, a lot of different ideas there. So this is something we're really working towards. Yeah, uh, you should see a lot of progress there actually in the next couple of weeks. So we've been, with Bake, we've really kind of had a fundamental shift in how we approach the entire kind of business. It's going to go away from purely just cash flow to all kinds of things, to investing in all kinds of things, getting cash flow on top, being able to diversify, rebalance. So it really goes more into this one-stop app for uh, your finances, not so much into, oh, all you can do is get staking rewards or something. So it's really a, a way, like, way bigger. And if you know me, you know that that is what I always wanted this to be. I I'm as someone who invests in everything. I don't see myself as only investing in crypto. Crypto for me is just a very great horse, but I have other great horses as well. So, and I, I think a lot of customers want, want that as well. Uh, yeah, Fabio, anything in this uh, regard that I'm missing? Um, you address most of the points. The, the, I would say the most requested uh, features are definitely the DCA feature for, uh, for Bitcoin, for Ethereum. Yeah. And uh, besides that, um, a lot of people are, are uh, looking forward for uh, bank transfers as well, uh, mm -hmm. because currently we're limited to credit cards, which could be an advantage, especially if you have a credit card with cashback cash back function. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, with that, I think we addressed everything that we want to talk about. Is there something left? Um, no, just a quick reminder, if you're coming to Singapore for Token 2049, there's the entire week there is like action packed. We have a meetup, there's Ord Summit. Uh, if you go to ordsummit.com, it's actually the, like uh, even the um, uh, inventor of Ordinals is now coming. So it's going to be really, really great. Um, there's going to be an entire kind of VIP meet and greet. So it's going to be a full action packed weekend. If you're here during that week in Singapore, then please, it's going to be, let us know. It's going to be really, really great to just drop a message to customer support and just let them know that you're here and yeah, make sure you're part of all the festivities and it's going to be a really, really great week. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's in a month, actually. Yeah. So nothing else. I don't know if anything from your side. No, let's finish here. Buy and hold, DCA. Uh, more features and more stuff is coming. Follow us on socials, follow us on Telegram, give us some feedback. If you miss anything on the platform, if you have any inputs, any feedback uh, at all, please reach out to us and uh, make sure to tune in next week. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.